Space battles, mused Donnell, are said to be held only by mutual consent. It was one of those maxims he distrusted, and which he had privately determined to disprove whenever he should get the chance. However, as he stood now by the screen of the control eye in the main control room of the C-4J, watching the enemy ships appearing to swell with the speed of their approach, he was forced to admit that in this instance it was true. Or true, at least to the extent that mutual consent is involved when you attack an enemy point that you know that enemy will defend. But what if he should not defend it, after all? What if he should do the entirely unexpected? "'Contact in sixty seconds! Contact in sixty seconds!' announced the speaker over his head. "'Fasten all!' said Anderson calmly into the talker before him. He sat with his first and second officers duplicating him on either side in a dentist's chair across the room, seeing the situation not in actual images as Donald was doing, but from the readings of his instruments. And his knowledge was therefore the more complete one. Cumbersome in his survival battlesuit, Donald climbed slowly into the similar chair that had been rigged for him before the eye, and connected himself to the chair. In case the ship should be broken apart, he and it would remain together as long as possible. With luck, the two of them would be able to make it to a survival ship in orbit around Oriente in forty or fifty hours, if none of some dozens of factors intervened. He had time to settle himself before the eye, before contact was made. In those last few seconds he glanced around him, finding it a little wonderful, in spite of all he knew, that this white and quiet room— undisturbed by the slightest tremor, should be perched on the brink of savage combat and its own quite possible destruction. Then there was no more time for thinking. Contact with the enemy had been made, and he had to keep his eyes on the scene. Orders had been to harry the enemy rather than close with him. Estimates had been twenty percent casualties for the enemy, five percent for the defending forces. But such figures, without meaning to be, are misleading. To the man in the battle, twenty percent or even five percent casualties do not mean that he will be twenty percent or five percent wounded. Nor, in a space battle, does it mean that one man out of five or one man out of twenty will be a casualty. It means one ship out of five or one ship out of twenty, and every living soul aboard her. For in space, one hundred percent casualties mean ninety-eight percent dead." There were three lines of defense. The first were the light craft that were meant to slow down the oncoming ships so that the larger, more ponderous craft could try to match velocities well enough to get to work with heavy weapons. Then there were the large craft themselves in their present orbits. Lastly, there were the second line of smaller craft that were essentially anti-personnel as the attackers dropped their space-suited assault troops. Donnell in a C-4J was in the first line. There was no warning. There was no full moment of battle. At the last second before contact, the gun crews of the C-4J had opened fire. Then it was all over. Donald blinked and opened his eyes, trying to remember what had happened. He was never to remember. The room in which he lay, fastened to his chair, had been split as if by a giant hatchet. Through the badly lit gap he could see a portion of an officer's stateroom, A red, self-contained flare was burning somewhere luridly overhead, a signal that the control room was without air. The control eye was slightly askew, but still operating. 
Through the transparency of his helmet, Donnell could see the dwindling lights that marked the enemy's departure on toward Oriente. He struggled upright in his chair and turned his head toward the control panel. Two were quite dead. Whatever had split the room open had touched them, too. The second officer was dead. Anderson was undeniably dead. Koa Ben still lived, but from the feeble movements she was making in the chair she was badly hurt, and there was nothing anyone could do for her now that they were without air and all prisoners in their suits. Donald's soldier-trained body began to react before his mind had quite caught up to it. He found himself breaking loose the fastenings that connected him to his chair. Unsteadily, he staggered across the room, pushed the lolling head of Anderson out of the way, and thumbed the intership button. C4J-129, he said. C4J-129. He continued to repeat the Kabbalistic numbers until the screen before him lit up with a helmeted face as bloodless as that of the dead man in the chair underneath him. KL, said the face, A-23, which was code for Can You Still Navigate? Donald looked over the panel. For a wonder, it had been touched by what had split the room, but barely. Its instruments were all reading. A-29, he replied affirmatively. M-40, said the other, and signed off. Donald let the intership button slip from beneath his finger. M-40 was proceed as ordered.